You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunkin' With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up very shortly later in this episode. Happy Thursday, everybody. Today on the show, plenty to talk about. A couple more Timberwolvesy type rumors out there. Uh, nothing really groundbreaking, but some some additional commentary added by some analysts and and reporters out there related to the Wolves and their pursuit of the likes of Ben Simmons, John Collins, and others. So more of that discussion here today. Also, of course, NBA Finals Game Four was Wednesday night, so I want to talk about that. And here off the bat, I want to talk about the Anthony Edwards Slam Online article um, or article in Slam Magazine, I guess. I read it online um, and it's a, a really great piece. There's a couple of fun Anthony Edwards quotes, of course. There wouldn't be anything involving Anthony Edwards without some some uh, entertaining quotes and uh, a couple of interesting tidbits in the article as well. So I want to cover that here first. Then we'll get into some trade stuff and then uh, eventually some finals talk here towards the end of the show. So that'll be today's program. Um, a reminder that you can follow or subscribe to this show anywhere you listen to podcasts. That, of course, includes Apple as well as Google, Spotify, and, of course, the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey, spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon. That's BBeacon, two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. All right, so Anthony Edwards, I mentioned this on Wednesday's show. He is the cover on the cover. He is the cover of Slam Magazine this week. That, of course, means that there's the cover story, the feature story, all about Anthony Edwards. You can read it over at slamonline.com. And it talks about how he was. this interview took place in late June. He was in the Twin Cities. He was the only player in the facility and possibly the only one in town at the time. And there's some stuff in there that's, you know, nothing that we haven't heard before from Ant or, or about Ant. Um, but there are a couple of quotes that were really pretty fantastic. He talks about how tough the start of the season was. Uh, the whirlwind of like the two plus week lead up into the season with no real training camp, obviously no summer league, et cetera, coming out of the uh, the weird off season and the draft being in November. Um, but then he talks about at the all-star break, he, he, there was no rising stars game, of course, last year. So he got with his two trainers back in Atlanta. He figured out that he wasn't jumping on his jump shot and that helped fix his jump shot. There were a couple of other things. And then listen to this quote from Ant. He says, quote, I never watched film, but now I watch a lot of film. It's fun because you see like, okay, if they're giving me the shot, I'm going to go to the gym and work on the shot. Okay. They're giving me this mid range. I'm going to go to the gym and work on this for three hours today and then come back and work on it tomorrow until I feel like I perfected it. End quote. That's phenomenal for so many reasons. Number one, hilarious that he says he's never watched film. I'm sure that at some point high school, certainly at, at a university of Georgia, Tom Crean made his team watch film, right? But I, I'm sure he means film of himself. He never watched his own film to see what he could improve on. But the fact that he just never did is so honest and refreshing and shows how naive he's been and also that he didn't need to, right? Because his talent has has obviously carried him to where he is now. But the fact that it just kind of clicked with him, like, hey, I could do this, or his trainers or the coaching staff or whoever said, hey, you should watch film and see what you could improve at, that it clicked with him and that he's totally cool with just doing it because he knows it's going to make him better. It's not like, ah, you know, I've never done this. I haven't had to. Everything with him is so kind of happy-go-lucky, but also intentional at the same time. Like, oh, huh, didn't think about this. I just realized I'm great at X, or I realized that I could improve 
by doing Y um, or you know whatever that might be. And in this case, he just realized, I'll watch film and see how they're defending me and then I'll, I'll change how I'm attacking. And he's got the ability to do it. We know that he has obviously the ability to get downhill and score and bully guys into the, you know, at the rim, go through guys in the paint, get to the paint whenever he wants. We know he has the touch to score from all three levels. He just hasn't shown the consistency or efficiency to do it at the NBA level, at least not till late in his rookie season. And that's what's so scary or should be scary for the rest of the league. I mean, he's got the ability to do it. He's got the willingness to do it. And now he's got the resources to do it in terms of coaching. He's got the time to work on his craft. He's a full-time NBA player. That's what he does now. He's only going to get better. And all of these quotes are so refreshing. They're things we that you don't hear from 19-year-old players um, often at all. And it maybe would feel different if he finished the season averaging 14 points a game and shooting you know 31% from three and, and 39% for the field. But that's not what happened. He got better after the All-Star break. And this is noted in the article. We, we, know, we know this, but the numbers are right here in the article. Post-All-Star break, Anthony Edwards averaged 23.8 points, 5.3 rebounds, and 3.4 assists. He almost doubled his points per game average in the second half. Obviously, he saw more minutes and he started for the entire second half of the season. But still, it's crazy. He shot uh, 45% after the All-Star break. Before the All-Star break, 37.1%. Um, this is interesting, too. He so so when he had the forty two points against the Suns, of course now the Suns who are in the NBA Finals, not not a bad team. Um, he had forty two points. He was the third youngest player in NBA history to score forty plus points in a game behind Kevin Durant and LeBron James. That's been talked about. We know that, but it's noted in the Slam article and kudos to them for finding the stat. It, it says that it was part of a stretch in which he also finished with thirty four points and twenty nine points in each of the two previous or thirty four and 29 in the two previous games. It made him the youngest player in NBA history to ever score over 100 points during the three-game stretch. How's that for a stat? It's obscure and crazy, and I never even would have thought to, to look for that, but how cool is that? I mean, the, the fact that Edwards is the, the youngest NBA player in history to score 100 points in a three-game stretch, it shows that it wasn't just a, a flash in the pan. And that was kind of the start of his ascent, um, you know, that took place over the final really two, two and a half months of the season into being a legitimate, uh, a legitimate starting caliber player. And if this trajectory continues, he's going to be an all-star, if not next year, certainly the year after. Um, but just, just a really good article, go over to slam online or get the magazine. There's some special editions as there always are for slam magazine out there. Um, there's of course some Rubio stuff in there. It talks about his dunk on Yuta Watanabe of the Raptors. Um, and you know, about texting with Kat and D'Lo about going to the playoffs next year, all that stuff's in there. There's some great, really gold Anthony Edwards quotes as they always are. And it's a well done piece. So be sure to go to slam and read it and get excited about Anthony Edwards next year. Um, it's not something that's hard to do, right? We we know he's go, he's going to keep getting better. And what we saw the second part of last year is just insane uh, or was just insane. And now we've got the attitude, the personality, all that to back it up, the want to get better, all those things that kind of build into making uh, a promising young player into a bona fide star and, and hopefully eventually a superstar. And Anthony Edwards is on pace to do that. Now the Wolves have to figure out the rest of the roster around him. We've spent so much time on this show talking about the rest of the roster and roster building and what's Rosas going to do this offseason, and rightfully so. But just reading this article about Anthony Edwards and taking taking a half step backwards and, and really kind of remembering just how crazy the end of the season was for him um, is is really kind of refreshing. 
we've already been on this offseason now for for two months for Timberwolves fans, even though we've had NBA playoffs going on. We're still, you know, two and a half months away from the Timberwolves breaking for training camp or, or arriving for training camp, I should say. So just kind of taking that half step backwards and remembering, man, Ant was great at the end of last year. It's refreshing to hear him you know, speak to the upside of the team and, and understanding what he needs to work on and all that stuff is is so great. Um, and we've got a lot to look forward to when it comes to Anthony Edwards and, and hopefully this Timberwolves team next season as well. All right, next I want to talk a little bit of trade stuff, you know, a few other kind of rumors and notes and nuggets floating around out there. First though, let's talk about this week's Ultra Moment brought to us by Michelob Ultra. And, you know, it's, this is supposed to be a difficult thing to select. It's a lot easier now that there's only one series going on and it's even easier. It's easier than ever because I'm recording this shortly after game four of the finals. And if I'm not picking the Giannis block for the ultra moment, then I don't know what I'm doing. But the Giannis Antetokounmpo block block on the lob attempt, DeAndre Ayton's dunk off the lob in the final, I think, minute and a half, uh, you know, yeah, final 90 seconds or so of the game, game four was insane. Um, and Afterwards, I mean, what what a flex, a literal flex it was after blocking the shot. Giannis just turning around and flexing to the crowd while the Bucks go back, get numbers the other way. Giannis was so happy with the block and so caught up in the moment, the joy, the happiness, the enjoyment, which is what the Michelob Ultra moment is all about, that he 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 just needed to turn around and flex for the crowd. The Bucks went back the other way. They missed a couple of shots, but they kept the possession, ended up not mattering. But the block, the celebration following it, all those things together is the embodiment of the Michelob Ultra moment uh, of the week, really. Um, and again, joy, happiness, enjoyment. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. As Michael Balter would remind you, only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. We're going to talk a lot more about NBA Finals Game 4 coming up here later on the show, and that'll also be brought to us by Michelob Ultra. But in the meantime, the Michelob Ultra moment of the week is brought to us by Michelob Ultra. Giannis Attentacumpo's block on DeAndre Ayton in the final 90 seconds of Game 4 is this week's Michelob Ultra moment. All right, we've talked trade quite a bit, of course, over the past few days and weeks, because what else What else are we going to do in the Timberwolves extended offseason once again? And I also, especially with no draft pick either, there's not a whole lot to talk about on the draft front. So the names that have come up the most, of course, talked a ton about Ben Simmons, uh, less about Bradley Beal, a little bit about Miles Turner and Damanis Sabonis. And obviously, you know, a year ago, Devin Booker was a name that was still getting floated. That's not a thing anymore. John Collins is the one that we spent a lot of time on last offseason and then prior to the trade deadline this year. Um, and, and now his name's coming up again. And I, I spent quite a bit of time on Wednesday's show talking about John Collins and the possibility and and why I think it's unlikely the Wolves would end up with John Collins. So go back and listen to that if you want the whole deal. But long story short is the Wolves don't have any cap space. Collins is seeking something close to the max. The only way the Wolves can get him is in a sign-in trade. So, and in a sign-in trade, of course, a player, the player and both teams involved have to all agree on what's happening. So Collins has to want to come to Minnesota. The Hawks have to want what the Wolves are selling in terms of, uh, in terms of players going back to Atlanta in order to make the salaries work. Those things all seem kind of unlikely to line up perfectly. But all that to say, Collins would be a great fit with Minnesota. I just don't know if it's worth sending out, say, D'Angelo Russell to get John Collins. And also, does Atlanta want D'Angelo Russell on a max contract? No, they don't. They have Trey Young. They're obviously different players, but they've got, I guess they've got a, a shoot first, all offense, no defense guard already, right? They don't need D'Angelo Russell. Do they want a package of Rubio and Beasley? That's a lot more likely but that also gets really 
complicated and how many picks are you sending for the ability to pay John Collins the max, you know, it gets a little hairy. So for me, I, I wouldn't get too excited about that being a real possibility. That's one of the additional, I guess, it's not an additional rumor, just kind of a reiteration of the rumor that's out there. Uh, a Bleacher Report article by Dan Favalli, who does a good job over there. Um, he talks about basically the same thing, that Dallas is perhaps the most likely landing spot if Collins does end up leaving Atlanta. But again, it almost has to be an offer sheet, even with Dallas. I, I, they may have a little bit of cap space, but but I don't think, or, or excuse me, not an offer sheet, a sign and trade. I don't think they have the space to offer him, um, to sign him to an offer sheet. And that's going to be the biggest thing with John Collins. So that was mentioned in the article. And then another name that we haven't talked about recently, because it hasn't been a thing since, I don't know, since before the Wolves, maybe when the Wolves started 2-0 or when they were in that slide right after Towns got hurt at the start of the season, PJ Tucker was the hot rumor that the Wolves were offering a first round pick to Houston for PJ Tucker. Of course, Houston was about to trade James Harden. Harden was in the process of the, you know, kind of requesting a trade, kind of showing up, not show, the weird start to the season, thinking back way. It feels like a million years ago, but it was only like seven months ago, seven and a half months ago. And Tucker to Minnesota was a, a rumored trade. Then the wolf, the bottom fell out. The Wolves lost like seven in a row after Towns got hurt. And, and that was that. And it wouldn't make any sense to acquire PJ Tucker. He ultimately goes to Milwaukee. He's been a starter and a big part of what they've done. And they never they didn't really turn their season around because it's not like they were ever in a really bad spot, but he's been a big part of what they've done. Now, I, I mean, he's gone scoreless a couple of times recently in the playoffs, including, I believe, in game four here. Um, but he's a big a big part of what they do defensively, obviously has that toughness, that edge, and can still defend multiple positions at his age and can be used as a small ball four or five and has played that role at times for the Bucks as well. So he's listed by Dan Favalli as somebody that the Wolves could be interested in in free agency. Um, if he doesn't sign in Milwaukee, he lists several teams. Uh, let's see, Miami, Brooklyn, Lakers, the Warriors, Nuggets, Jazz. I think he's really only mentioning Minnesota because of the Rosas connection and then also um, the Wolves liking Tucker dating all the way back to last year's draft. That's I don't think that's a new rumor from Favalli. I feel like he's just kind of reporting that based on past uh, knowledge. We know that the Wolves were interested in Tucker both on draft night and then in the weeks following all the way really up until sometime in January. Um, and the Rosas connection is real too. We've seen that, right? Rosas likes to acquire guys, both coaches, executives, and players that he's familiar with from his time in Houston. And understandably so. But I don't know. I mean, is Tucker coming to Minnesota over all of those places I just listed? Uh, basically, all of them are going to be expected. Uh, yeah, probably literally all of them are going to be expected to be better than Minnesota next year. Why would he come to Minnesota? Um the other nugget that Favalli's got in here is that Tucker was looking for $12 million a year when he was negotiating with Houston. I mean, at this stage in his career, late 30s, are the Wolves going to pay P.J. Tucker $12 million plus a year? I mean, they might have to, but they also don't have that cap space. So then it's a sign-in trade. Is Minnesota really going to sign and trade with the Bucks? And again, you got to get all three parties to agree. That seems pretty unlikely, too. I don't think P.J. Tucker is coming to Minnesota. That ship has sailed. I don't think John Collins ends up in Minnesota. Both would be great fits. Both would be fantastic fits next to Carl Anthony Towns. I just think there's too many hurdles. Sign and trades are tough to pull off. And the Wolves may not have the requisite assets to pull off said deals. And remember, Milwaukee and Atlanta are two of the best, two of the final four teams in the league. They played in the Eastern Conference Finals. So 
are they looking to rock the boat enough to, well, I mean, I guess, I guess if you're, if you're trying to figure out what you're gonna do with these players, you're going to rock the boat in some level, right? Atlanta knows they can't keep all their guys the same with Milwaukee, but do the Wolves have what those teams are looking for? These aren't rebuilding teams looking for lightning in a bottle. These aren't, you know, these are established teams that are looking to make moves on the edges. D'Angelo Russell rocks the boat. That's the kind of player he is. And I don't think the Wolves want to trade him. Ricky Rubio, I'm sure both teams would love to have Ricky Rubio. I mean, he fits with what a lot of teams try and do. He's a great fit with a hard-nosed veteran, um, defensive-minded team. Malik Beasley, a lot of teams would like to have him too, which is, I guess, why it's a possibility is because the Rubio Beasley kind of packaging those guys together could be attractive to contending teams. Um, but my money's on neither one of those guys ended up in Minnesota. They're both, they'll probably both, well, Collins probably ends up back in Atlanta. I wouldn't be surprised if Tucker was somewhere else, but um, I don't think either of them are ultimately coming to Minnesota, but still names to keep, keep an eye on here moving forward. Okay, we'll wrap the show today by talking about Game 4 of the Finals. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand the warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Save time and money while using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer. They have everything you could possibly need. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Let's also talk about betonline.ag. Betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. It's actually, we're at the all-star break now. You can track all the action at betonline. You can also get all the latest news, odds, and information for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's talk NBA Finals. As always, our NBA playoff coverage and, and road to the finals, and now actually the finals, is brought to us by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. All right, so game four, obviously a pivotal game. Uh, of course, Phoenix goes into Milwaukee up 2-0. The Bucks win game three fairly easily at home. And then game four was, was one of the, it was a fantastic game. I mean, Phoenix took an early lead. Tied at halftime, Phoenix has a big third quarter and goes to the goes to the fourth up six right on the road in Milwaukee. Could go up three one in the series. Devin Booker picks up his fifth foul early in the fourth quarter. Has to sit. The Bucks only they really kind of tread water. I think they maybe were like a plus three with Booker on the bench, something like that. So it's a one possession game when Booker comes back, but Phoenix still has a lead. But then it's really the Chris Middleton show. Giannis kind of does a a bunch of 
Giannis does Giannis things, but not doesn't dominate offensively as much. He was efficient in this game. Um, but this was more about Chris Middleton versus Devin Booker. Nobody else on the Suns really brought it. Um, the Suns were sloppy all evening long. Um, you look at the, they had like 11 first half turnovers. I think they finished with 17 turnovers. The Bucks only had five in the night in the game. Um, the, the, uh, free throw disparity, the, the sun shot 19 free throws, the Bucks shot 29, but the turnovers and also the fast break points. I don't think the Suns had a single fast break point in this game. Um, and you know, you, you combine those two things, the turnover battle and, and the fast break points, which, which, I mean, there's a correlation there, obviously on some level, but that was the biggest thing. And the Bucks got back into this game. They took a lead. The final couple of minutes were a ton of fun. Um, we had a tie game with with just over two minutes to play, I think it was, uh, in the fourth quarter. And then Devin Booker missed a shot. Middleton came down and hit another one, which was a second straight make. Um, and then and then after that, it was the Giannis block that I referenced earlier in the Michelob Ultra Moment of the Week segment. That was with 114 left on the clock, to be exact, with a two-point lead for the Bucks. Giannis blocks the Aiton alley-oop uh, slam attempt. The Bucks come down. Middleton misses a pair of shots. The Suns come back down the other way, still a two-point game with just about 30 seconds left. Chris Paul loses the ball coming around the screen. He just he just kind of slips and loses the ball. Bucks come down and score. It's now a four-point game. The Suns have to call timeout. Uh, and then Booker misses a tough kind of a, a runner layup type shot um, on the on, after the timeout. And it's a four-point game still. Bucks get possession. Milton makes a couple free throws. And it's basically over at that point. Uh, just played the free throw game down the stretch. And... I mean, this was this was a lot of Chris Middleton. It was a fantastic play from Giannis. It was a sloppy game from the Suns. If I had to boil it down to three things, those are the three things, and obviously an oversimplification. Um, but watching Booker and Middleton go back and forth for much of the night was fantastic. Uh, Middleton had, what, 40 on uh, 15 of 33 shooting. He had, I think, basically all of his free throws were down the stretch. I think maybe six of his seven free throw makes were in the final couple minutes of the game. And uh, on, on the Suns side, Devin Booker bounced back after a rough performance uh, last time around. He had 42 points in this game on 17 to 28 shooting. Um, he didn't do much else, though. He had four turnovers, only two assists, one rebound in this game. But Booker scored, and nobody else in the Suns had more than 15. That was Jay Crowder. Chris Paul had only 10 points and seven assists in this game, had five turnovers. And there were a couple of Suns guys, Suns players in uh, in foul trouble. I should mention down the stretch, there were a couple of kind of controversial moments before one of the Middleton trips to the line on the inbound play after the Suns had scored uh, one of those Booker shots. Um, Giannis inbounded the ball with his foot still in play. He didn't have his foot up off of of uh, off the floor. He had one foot out of bounds on the baseline and one foot on the, on the court when he inbounded the ball. So that should have been a violation. And then the Suns were trying to avoid committing a foul. They weren't trying to take a foul. They were trying to trap. The officials assumed they were, they were trying to get a take foul and called the foul really early, a quick whistle. And I mean, technically there was some body contact, but it was the sort of thing that by the letter of the laws may be a foul, but they weren't trying to foul and probably should have been, should have let that one go. Uh, so there's certainly some, some, reason for consternation there for Suns fans, but I, that was really kind of the only massive miss there in the final couple of minutes. And, and who knows, the momentum was already headed in, in the Bucks way um, there in Milwaukee. So 
a notable officiating miss, but not not the end of the world. Um, and apologies, I guess, to any Suns fans who might feel differently about that. But fantastic game, a lot of fun. Great to watch Booker Middleton go back and forth. And then the series shifts back to Phoenix now for Saturday night. We got to wait a couple nights here before there's another game because they're traveling again. So uh, game five in Phoenix on Saturday, as always, a pivotal game five um, in a series that's now tied 2-2. We'll see if the Suns can hold serve and, and keep their home court advantage in what's now really a three-game series, um, but it, so far living up to the hype. And my initial pick, a reminder, was I didn't make it till after game one. I, I failed to make it ahead of time, but I said Suns in six. Um, I feel a lot more like Suns in seven now, but you know, Suns in six is still a very real possibility. I think they might rediscover their mojo going back home to the desert on Saturday. So we'll see what happens. Um, we'll obviously talk all about that on Monday show, but we've still got a show on Friday. If you're not already following or subscribed to the podcast, please do. You can do that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Of course, that includes Spotify as well as Apple, Google, um, and of course, the all-new Odyssey app. That's Odyssey spelled A-U-D-A-C-Y. You can also follow this show on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves. That's at LockedOnTWolves. Don't forget the T and at Beacon is my Twitter account. That's two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, Locked On Wolves is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On Podcast Network is all your local experts on all the biggest stories. Be sure to subscribe to any of our podcasts for your favorite teams. There's a podcast for basically every team in every league, including a number of uh, of major uh, Division One college teams as well. So be sure you're subscribed to listen to all those podcasts uh, for whatever your your favorite teams are. Um, a reminder that today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. That's all we have for you today. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.